Right now, at the time of recording this, it is Friday the 13th, and it's 2.46 p.m. in uh, July of 2018. And last night, around 15 till midnight, I found out something that that I honestly never... Maybe I knew I would hear it at some point, but just not this soon. I got a phone call that my mother was found laying in front of her home unresponsive. And by the time I got there, uh, she was proclaimed dead. And I just wanted to take a second because I don't know how to convey what I feel. But I do know what's on my heart. And I think it's something we all need to take very seriously. My mom and I's relationship was different. Um, from a young age, she has been an alcoholic. Some of you may have kind of gathered that from previous episodes. Some of you may be complete news to. But my mom uh, was an alcoholic. Whenever I was almost three, her mother passed away at the age of 55 from a blood clot breaking free in her leg and hitting her brain. And my mother began to drink to cover up the pain. And first it was casual drinking, and then it got worse and worse and worse until she was drinking half a pint of vodka in the evenings and two or three liters of wine a day. My mom had a serious problem and a serious sickness. And it went so much deeper than just drinking. She had so much fear, so much terror and anxiety, so many mental health barriers to face. And the alcohol just brought those out worse and worse and worse. And last night I got the phone call that I've been scared of getting my entire life. I knew at some point I would get it. I prayed and I prayed, God, please, please let her just open herself up to you. And let just take this sickness from her. Please, God. And while my mom was a great Christian woman when she was sober, and I do believe she is in heaven right now, free from all of this pain that she has felt for so long. It just hurts knowing that her time on earth was spent burdened, knowing that my parents have been separated for the past three years, and my dad right now is sitting in a room, and though he has family around him, though I'll be going back up there in just a moment, that he takes so much of the blame on himself that he didn't do enough, that he wasn't loving enough, that he didn't care enough. And I understand because when I got the call that they had found my mom laying face first on the concrete, uh, it was surreal. It was so surreal because I had dreaded that call so long and it was almost like a sick practical joke. By the time I got there, fortunately for me, I didn't have to see her body. But every time I go over there, in the last few times, throughout the day, I've had to make a couple trips over there. And 
I know there's many, many more to come. This has only been 20 hours ago, if that. Not, no, not even 20 hours. It's 2.50, so uh, 15 hours ago this happened. I know so many trips I'm going to have to make over there, and I have to drive over the top of where my mother laid and took her last breath. And that's so hard. That is so hard. Because my dad loved my mother so much. In, the, in these later years, as her drinking got worse, they had to distance themselves. I've had to distance myself. Not too long ago, she ended up in the ditch by my house, and if I would have left three, four minutes early, she probably would have hit me head on because she was drinking and driving. She gets out and walks the streets. She would do all these things that would just cause so much fear for her family. And I was so angry. Angry for the hurt that she caused. Angry for for having to deal with her drama. Angry for her life choices and not putting her family first. But at the end of the day, she was a sick person who had deep hurts and just wanted to be loved. Now, don't get me wrong. We did love her. I told her yesterday on the phone as she hung up that I loved her. And the day before, we had a long conversation about the direction of our family and where it was headed. And, and I told her I loved her and supported her. Even if she drank, I still loved her and supported her. I didn't support the action because she's an alcoholic, but I supported her because she was my mother, and I respect her. And you would think, well, that's enough. You did good. You, you talked to her, but it's never enough. My mind is plagued by all the time she asked just for Elaine and I to drive by and see her, but I wouldn't take the time, or for her to watch our dog Doppler and we wouldn't bring him by. The time she offered help, but because I was so upset with her, I wouldn't even bother calling her. So many times that I could have had other chances to tell her I love her and to pray for her and to try to lift her up. And now, sure, you can't look back and just think about all the what-ifs, because life is a interwoven web of hundreds of different experiences all at once, every second of every day. I didn't put the bottle to my mother's lips. I fought and fought with everything in me to keep it from it, to pull it back away from her, but it just kept drawing her back in. Now... When they found her, as of right now, it's pronounced that it seems it was heart-related. And my mother has a history of having heart problems. I know she was drinking. I found the liquor in her house, the empty liquor bottles. And I know that attributed to her death. But it just hurts so much knowing that she died alone out there on the ground. Not that any of us could have stopped it. Not that it's my fault, my father's fault, my family's fault. I'm thankful for the people that were there that saw her, my, my neighbors that stopped and gave her chest compressions trying to save her life while the EMT 
uh, the ambulance arrived. I'm thankful for those first responders who were there on the scene to take care of this situation. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that my mom is now free from her addiction, and I truly believe that she's in heaven with her mom. I'm sad that she'll never get to meet her grandkids. She'll never get to hold her grandson or granddaughter's hand. Hear their first words. Teach them to ride a bike or to swim. Just show them that they're loved. And I always feared having to keep them from her because of her drinking. And now that choice has already been made up for us. And... It hurts to know that my dad lost the love of his life of 25 years of marriage to a bottle and to a mental illness, to depression and alcoholism. And it hurts to know that I didn't get to hold my mother in my arms one last time and tell her how much I loved her because the last time I saw her in person, honestly, I was kind of upset with her. I was kind of upset with her from some of the choices she was making. And I understand logistically this isn't my fault. I understand logistically that you can beat yourself up all day over what you have not done, but in the end it doesn't matter because... All the things we did do far outweigh the things we didn't. But when tragedy strikes, when there's no chance for grieving, and when the door is just slammed in your face, you sit there and you're left to just scratch your head wondering what just happened. And I pray for everyone who's listening to this who's lost someone they love. Because it's hard. I've had so much anxiety and fear in my life from losing someone. But I've never lost someone this close to me before. And God, it hurts. It hurts because the relationship was strained. It hurts because I feel like I could have done so much more. And pushed her in the proper direction. Even if it was her heart that gave out. And there was nothing we could do. At least I could have let her. Her last moments. Her last moments have been me showing her love versus her being alone. And I know I can't babysit my mother. I know I have a family to take care of. I understand there are scenarios in life that you cannot control and that everything that my mother did was her choice. Everything that she did was her choice. But I also knew that my mom loved my dad and she loved me. And despite our differences and despite the problems and all the drama I've experienced for 20 out of my 24, almost 25 years of living, that I still love her so much. And that drama doesn't deter from the fact that she's my mother. And now she's gone. And like I said, I rest knowing that even in death... Satan doesn't have the victory. You know, sin, where is your shackles? Death, where is your sting? Hell has been defeated.
and that she's free. I just wish she could have experienced being free in this life. I wish she could have experienced being free and the magic of living. Because there's beauty in living. Every one of you listening, there is beauty in living. There is beauty in life and that breath that God breathed into your lungs. There is beauty in the pain and in the joy and in every season. And so here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to leave with you. And I understand this podcast is much shorter than normal, but honestly, it's all I can muster up right now. I'm amazed I'm sitting behind this microphone right this second of this time of day after what's happened and being able to open my mouth at all. But God willing, here's what I want you to know. I do not care how mad you are. I do not care how much you feel you've been hurt. Yes, it's okay to have to distance yourself from people. It's okay to have to draw boundaries and lines in the sand to declare that those people cannot cross those things. That is natural and needed for a healthy life and living. You cannot let someone else drain your life away. But let me tell you this. How dare you ever leave them not knowing they're loved? Because you will have to live the rest of your life if something happens. You will have to live the rest of your life knowing that you ended on bad terms and that they died thinking about it. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to those you love. The Bible says to forgive not seven times, but seven times 70. It's metaphorical for the infinite forgiveness and grace God pours out to us. It says that we are not called to judge. Judge not lest we be judged. We are not called to judge one another, but to, sh- to share the love of Christ that they may have life more abundantly in Him. And if you're doing anything other than love, you are going against God himself because he did not call you to beat down, to chastise, to bruise, and to to manipulate, to contort, or to hurt. He called you to love and to shine that love in everyone's face so bright that it's almost annoying, and I don't care if it is. I don't care if you feel it's annoying to the point that you have to show them so much love that they're sick of it because I prefer them die sick of love than sick full of death and regret, and hatred, and sorrow, and loneliness. How dare us not show that love that God so graciously has showed to us? Who are we? Who are we to rob them of the very gift he so freely gave? How dare us? Sure, it's hard. Sure, sometimes you have to love from a distance, but if you ever have to hang up that phone, you better sure as well include those words at the end. But don't worry, I still love you. Yeah, Mom, I know you're drunk right now. I know that you're drunk. I know that you're sick of it. I know you don't mean what you say, but I want you to know I still love you. 
I still love you. Despite your choices, despite your flaws and your sin, I love you. Because love conquers all. I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to read it because we need to hear it. I need to hear it. And you already know where I'm going with this. 1 Corinthians 13 is so often viewed as a chapter for married couples, for people entering into a new love marriage, a new covenant in their life. But let me tell you this, it's not just that. It is how we are to treat everyone. The Bible says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you were to love your enemies, how are we to treat those that we love, that we truly care about? First Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Man, sometimes I wish I was more patient with my love. Love is kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not uh, irritable or resentful. Man, sometimes I wish I wasn't so resentful with my love. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends, or as some translations say, love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Some says, uh, some translations say when I uh, look in a mirror, or what is it, it's like, um, now is like looking in a dim lit mirror. Oh, it goes on to say that, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Now, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Think about this for a second. You've never seen your own reflection. or You've, never, you've only seen your reflection. You've never seen yourself eye to eye. You can look someone else eye to eye, but all you've ever seen of yourself is a photo, a camera's interpretation, a piece of glasses, interpretation of who you are. But through those eyes of love, you can see them face to face. Now we know in part, then, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now, uh, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It's better than your faith. It's higher than your hopes. Love abides above them all. Christ is love. Get on the phone call that person in your life. I don't care what they've done. Maybe you can't call them. Maybe it's that bad. Maybe you have to send them a text message. Maybe it's a prayer for them. But for the love of Christ Jesus, literally, tell them you love them. You don't have to accept their lifestyle or their choices 
or their actions against you. But you gotta love them. And if you don't, one day you're gonna look back with that regret, realizing that there's more you could have done. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of dark. Our struggle is not against other people, but it is against an enemy that wants to knock us down and drag us out. Our struggle is not against our fellow man. So let's not war against them, but let's show them Christ's love. Because love wins. Love always wins. And joy sometimes does come in the morning. I'm praying for joy in the midst of this season of mourning. Everyone, be brave and be bold and be reckless. But above all that, be light and be love. And in Jesus' name, I pray over every one of you listening that God gives you the heart of his son. A son that sacrificed himself to show mankind a love and to show them that they were so loved they were worth to dying for. They were worth dying for. God, give us that kind of love for our fellow people for our fellow man and woman, for our parents, for our spouses, for our children and grandchildren, for our grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, brothers and sisters and cousins, for our friends, extended family, our enemies, those who hurt us and chastise us. It doesn't matter. Give us a love that conquers the grave. And mom, I just want you to know I love you. And I forgive everything you ever did. And I'm sorry we had our differences. But I want you to know that you were loved. I'm thankful I got to tell you that. The morning before you died. I just wish I could have told you more intimately. Be loved. And never stop.